we were like, hey, you're our first customers ever. And they're like, what? <laughs> no, yeah. That's good stuff. That <laughs> yeah, was, was crazy. Hey, this is Ed Barnett bringing you episode number seven of the Coffee Man Show. You can now subscribe in iTunes and Stitcher. Coming up, I will be in Culver City at Bar 9 and in Costa Mesa talking with Wilson Coffee Roasters as well as Diesel Brew. So I'm excited for what's ahead. You can always reach me on the contact tab of coffeemanshow.com. Today, I'm excited to present my guest, John Everett of Honu Coffee in Newhall, California. They just opened uh, just over a month ago, and I'm particularly excited about this story because it's where I live. We needed these guys in Newhall. So welcome, John Everett. Let's go. So my name's John. Um, I've lived in Santa Clarita for just over 10 years now. Originally, I'm from Oregon, um, so I kind of grew up around coffee when... When, uh, when I was in high school, that's what you did at night. You went to the coffee shop. Um, <clears throat> so where I grew up in Oregon, there was a coffee shop in the downtown district. There was a coffee shop on every block, if not two. Um, and so I've been drinking coffee since I was about 15 years old, and I started out on just a double shot of espresso, and I put a little bit of cream in there. And so that was kind of, you get hooked on it quick if you start start with that versus like a white mocha or something like that. Sure. And so since, I've, since I was a junior in high school, I had a dream of opening a coffee shop. Originally, I wanted to get like an old Victorian building and live on the top and put the coffee shop on the bottom. But um, we're in a Victorian building, so that's close. Oh, we are. <laughs> and there's Good a living word. room upstairs, not a house, but... Um, so we've been open now just over a month. It's our first crack, first time we've been able to actually open a retail coffee shop, and, and that's what we're doing with coffee right now, learning. So are you kind of a serial entrepreneur or, uh, you know, outside of coffee? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself in that regard. I guess I'd be diagnosed as a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> Diagnosis. <laughs> um, I love, I, I mean, it's the, you know, that's originally how everybody did business. So if you go back in history, yeah, people, you would work for people, but most people baked or they did had a little meat shop or they made shoes or they made clothes or they hammered out metal stuff. So <clears throat> that's kind of how I think most people are wired. This We live in a different age now of big companies and lots of employees, but... And I don't mind working in that environment either, but there's something fun about watching the business grow and develop and and um, change. And I don't know, that's pretty addictive. Right. That's pretty addictive. So I do have another company. It's not near as exciting or sexy, but we lease and manage residential rental rental properties, long-term rent, rentals. Okay. Um, that's the one that pays the bills. So. Um, someday coffee will pay the bills, but yeah, love love small businesses. Well, give us an idea of how you got to your name, Honu, and uh, the backstory on what it took to get to the grand opening here. So what happened is, about two and a half years ago, my wife and I went with some friends on a Hawaiian cruise that does like hit, hit all the islands for a day or two, and. 
one of the stops was Kauai and we got off the boat and that was the one island we decided we're not going to rent a car we're just going to go to the beach and just lounge um and part of the plan was we would walk to a coffee shop you're in Hawaii should be a coffee shop everywhere right we're gonna walk to a coffee shop grab a coffee and go sit on the beach and I walked around to this whole area called Kalapaki Bay and couldn't find a coffee shop and there was one tiny coffee shop in a hotel kind of down the way so I walked down there and got some terrible coffee and came back and you know, my wife and I are like, how is there not a coffee shop right here? This is ridiculous, you know? And we're eating a burger at this place called the Beach Hut, looking out over this little green building out into Kalapaki Bay, and I was like, that building right there is for lease. So we walked over and peeked in the windows, and I was like, I think this is mixed use. Like, you can do retail on the bottom and live on the top. So we got back on the boat, and we had four days at sea between Hawaii and uh, California. And uh, we started talking, and I said, "Well, I'll, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna email this guy and see how much the building is, you know." So anyway, long story short, um, four months later, we were on Kauai. We had leased that building with the plans of putting a coffee shop in the bottom and living on the top, and started toward that. We we're pretty much ready to open. We had a couple little things left to do, but um, I went down to apply for the per health permit, and that started this kind of chain of obstacles that uh, got bigger and bigger and longer and more expensive and eventually we got all the permitting approved um, <clears throat> but the costs had mounted so high and the time was so long to get them done we were gonna need about two years from that point to get opened so we talked to the landlords about extending the back end of the lease and we tried but we didn't want to be like let's let's force this you know, at some point you have to look at it and say, okay, maybe, you know, maybe God's telling me not today. Um, <laughs> versus that as a serial entrepreneur, you want to overcome every obstacle cold that gets thrown at you. Um, Rise and, to the challenge. Oh, yeah. You're not going to, you never give up. Never give up. But there's also a wisdom factor in there. And we have two little boys and we had to decide do we live in this little apartment here it's not really in a residential area um for how long you know the original plan was six months then we'd go get a, a house to live in um so we packed up and came back here and the reason the name of the coffee shop is honu coffee is because we love hawaii and my wife loves the turtles there and honu is hawaiian for green sea turtle and um, we originally came up with that logo for the Kauai store. And then when this opportunity came up, we decided let's just keep the name. We've already done all that legwork. And we'll just go with kind of a vintage beach feel versus purely Hawaiian. But it'll work as a Hawaiian feel or a Huntington feel or a Malibu feel or a San Diego feel. So yeah. um, ran with it. Right on. So you didn't give up on opening. I mean, that, that was, what was that like for you? I mean, you, you and your wife over there, that was a big deal to go over there, if you know? Yeah, it was a, it was a huge deal. And, uh, the, you know, the night we decided, we read a book that really kind of helped us make the decision fi final. Um, it was called Decision Making and the Will of God. And... You know, it's getting into the specific will of God versus the general will of God and how do we make decisions within that 
Um, and so eventually we decided for wisdom's sake we were going to pack up and come back. It was a very, very, very difficult decision, one we still wonder about to this day. What would have happened? Because you know what? We're right at two years now. So this is about the time Honu Coffee Kauai would have been opening had we stayed and, and successfully fought through everything. Um, so we came back with the intent of just selling all of the equipment. And then we got back and we were like, okay, let's list all the equipment for sale. Just couldn't do it. Is that right? You know, just couldn't bring ourselves to get rid of all of it. So we're sitting in the storage unit. And, and then one day I talked to my business coach, Bill, and I said, Bill, I can't shake this coffee shop thing. I can't, can't get rid of the desire. You know, do I sell everything and in 10 years try again? Or do I go, do I go walk Main Street in Newhall? right now and, and look for a spot and we don't we didn't have a lot of money because we'd spent it all on Kauai <laughs> sure <laughs> Kauai had all of our money oh man um, <clears throat> so we met with a guy named Tim that does commercial real estate in New Hall and we walked Main Street and we looked at all the vacant spots and we ran calculations of what it would take to convert them into restaurants and and it was going to take some time. We'd have had to wait and save. And so, again, we decided, okay, we'll sell all of our stuff. And we sold a little bit of it. Um, and then we got a call saying, hey, there's a location available in Valencia. It's already a restaurant. You won't have to do any conversions. You won't have to do any build-outs. Just plop your stuff down and, and transfer the permits. <clears throat> so we actually went and looked at that location, and we got into negotiations, and the week we were scheduled to go in and sign the lease, the landlord changed the terms um, for the person who we were going to take over the lease from, and so that fell apart. And so then we were, again, you know, going, what the heck is going on here? Um... And so then we decide, okay, we're done, we're selling everything, we're absolutely out of it. And I got a call on this location, and I told the lady, I, I don't want to do it. And she's like, okay, I understand. And so about a week later, she calls back. She's like, just come look at it, and then if you don't want to do it, I, I'll, I'll take no for an answer. And I said, I don't need to come look at it. I know that location. It used to be Mitch's job in jazz way back in the day. I, I know that location. And... Um, I said, no, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. So then, you know, a week later, she's texting me, and I, I told my wife, let's just go walk it, you know, and then we'll pray about it and make a decision. But we kind of knew once we decided to come look at it that it was probably going to happen. And the landlord here is great, and so they were much easier to deal with than the landlords at the other location. And... Um, this is Old Town Newhall. Yeah. So this is all independent mom and pop businesses. There's no chains down here. And we really, really liked that. So two and a half years after our original idea to open on Kauai, we finally opened the doors in Newhall. Good deal. So what was your actual open date here? October 17th. Congratulations. And not as glamorous as people probably think. We didn't do a big grand opening and pump it. We, Brian and I came in the night before. We were here till like 2.30 in the morning trying to get it ready to open. So we were going to open the next morning at 6. And my wife was like, nobody knows you're opening tomorrow, babe. Just get some sleep, you know, <laughs> and then go in and open. So 
We came in the next day, and I think it was 9.37 a.m. We turned the sign around. Is that and right? I remember standing there looking at Brian and going, well, dude, do we turn the sign around? Or, like, should we walk? Should we walk through one more time and make sure? And turn the sign around, and about five seconds later, these two girls walked in that had no idea we had just opened. Really? They were just on a wait at a nearby restaurant, and decided to grab a coffee while they were waiting and saw the sign and walked in. We were like, hey, you're our first customers ever. And they're like, what? <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> that's good stuff. That was, it was crazy. So. Well, this is an interesting area for a specialty coffee shop. And in this, this place here has quite the history. Like you mentioned, uh, Mitch's job in jazz. Um, how long ago was that here? Oh, gosh, that had to be... 15 years ago yeah. that they opened here and then they moved to the mall and then this became Java Junction Okay. Um, and then they closed and it became the Poached Pear which still sold some coffee products and some cold brew um, and that's kind of the history of it And but I'll tell you too Ed we didn't Part of the reason we decided to do this is because we love coffee shops and coffee, um, and there aren't any in Santa Clarita, right. which is really, really weird to me, because if you go to the Valley, if you go to Pasadena, mm -hmm. if you go to LA, if you go to Ventura, if you go to Santa Barbara, all these neighboring communities have multiple independent, you know, themed, just mom and pop coffee shops and you're not you're just not going to find one in Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita has three that I know of independent coffee shops and they're all church coffee shops, which is fine, but that's different than a community coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a big decision when you have a full-time gig going already and you have little kids to add a new business. It's you're basically committing to not having any time for a while. Yeah. And one of the reasons we decided to do that was because we felt like Santa Clarita needed an independent coffee shop. It needed one. Mm -hmm. It still, it probably still needs several more, but um, that was a big reason that we did it was we felt like business-wise, the market was there. There was no competition. And community-wise, I mean, what community doesn't have... I mean, you can go to... Kernville, California, right? Population 300. <laughs> and then right next door is Lake Isabella City, which is population 3,000. They both have independent coffee shops. Uh -huh. And I'm like, how does Santa Clarita, population 165,000, not have an independent coffee shop? That is interesting. So, I mean, and yeah. we've seen some come and go here. You know, and so it is, it is a phenomenal thing. So I'm just excited that you're here. I'm excited to be uh, starting the Coffee Man show as you guys get going. And uh, so what's next up on your, on your uh, horizon here for your events that you have going on here and stuff like that, John? Well, before I tell you that, let me tell you I'm excited about your podcast. And I think this Thank is you. a great thing. I got to listen to a little bit of the show at Copa Vida. I'm definitely going to go back and listen to that one and then check out your first five yeah um episodes but i mean you're doing the same thing we are starting a new business <laughs> oh pioneering yeah here. for sure it's exciting stuff yeah it is um <clears throat> but as far as events go tomorrow night is our first live live music session 
Um, so we'll see how that goes. It'll probably be bumpy because we've never done it. So if an outlet burns up or breaker keeps blowing or the sound is weird, you know, well, that'll be our night to work it out. But it should be fun to just have some. We're going to have four different artists come in and do short sets. Okay. Um, with an MC in between to kind of try to keep everybody engaged. So, so it'll be small bites, kind of MTV style versus a long, you know. Um, PBS style or something. Okay. Um, and then we're starting to do fundraisers, which is something local businesses tend to do versus some of the chains. Just they want to be involved in the community, but it's it's tough for them to connect sometimes. So we're hit, reaching out to the schools first. So we're doing PTO fundraisers for the elementary schools around here. We'll we'll, we'll dedicate a Saturday and give ten percent back to that PTO. Okay. Um, so tomorrow's the first one for Old Orchard Elementary. And then two weeks after that, we're going to do New Hall Elementary, and we're going to have a five-vendor um, holiday fair out here on the side where the patio cover is. So just five tables set up with local vendors, you know, selling their wares for the holidays. And, uh-huh. and um, Santa Clarita, if you ask people who have been here for a while, will tell you it's the biggest small town it really has a small town feel. Even here when people come in, oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah. It's almost like it's a tiny town with no other cities around it. And really, it's like a medium-sized city next to Los Angeles. And yet, somehow, there's this community feel and a really tight-knit community, um, which a coffee shop is a natural breeding ground for those relationships to grow and strengthen and bring in new connections into that community network so we're, we're excited we're i love excited. that you guys have the heart and the, the passion for this above and beyond a business i mean you've got both sides obviously but i think that shows through in the way you present and what what your customers and guests experience here um well it's about it, it's about the coffee and i'm sure we're going to get into that but more than the coffee, it's about the people that come here. Right. Because we could have the absolutely best coffee and know everything there is to know about where it comes from, how to make it, have all the best equipment for every different style of coffee brewing. If we don't have people coming in here, it's not going to work. And um, if we have people coming in here and they don't enjoy it, it's not going to work. And if the people that work here don't enjoy being here and talking to the people that are coming in, it's not going to work. So even more than it being about the coffee, it's about the people. And that's really what the main focus is here. When I work with Brian, who's our manager, I tell him, you're in charge of two things, buddy. you got to serve incredible drinks because there's no way we're going to compete with Starbucks if we don't have drinks that are better than them. Fortunately, it's not that hard to do. And number two you got to absolutely have the best customer service available. You have to reach out and grab customers as they come in, engage them, let them talk, connect, and that those two things combined will keep people coming back here. But if you have one and not the other, it's really going to be tough to get an independent coffee shop to take root in Santa Clarita sure. without both of those things there. So right anyway, on. that's kind of the model. Well, so we will, like you said, get into the coffee aspect of this. 
But uh, before we do that, just to drill down a little bit more with you, John, um, you mentioned a business coach. Um, are there any books you can recommend? Because one of the things with the Coffee Man Show is uh, is to inspire entrepreneurs, you know, and yeah. uh, just inform coffee lovers. Um, and just enrich uh, culture, you know, and that's what you're doing here at this location. So any books or anything specific that's helped form, form the way you think and operate? You know, I saw that question. You know, you sent me that list, that email with the list of questions we might go over, and that, that one is so tough because there are so many books. I'm a bad reader, and there are still a ton of books. Um, and I read a lot of business books specific to the rental property business, and okay. what I've found is a lot of those are not as applicable to a retail coffee shop, so I'm probably going to have to add some new books. But some of them kind of transcend the type of business. Um, and so I, would, I think one of the books that has influenced me the most at this one-month age in our business is a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Um, and the concept behind that book is how to develop really incredible systems that will allow you to deliver a high-end product time and time again uh, with consistency. Okay. And for a small retail business, it's very difficult to do that because you have super high turnover with inexperienced workers on complicated equipment. And so <laughs> the e-myth is kind of how do you do that? The, the premise of the book is, let's say I love being the barista, okay. right? So I am going to learn latte art, and I'm going to learn how to pull the perfect shot every time. Can I build a business doing that? I mean, I can open a business and make really good coffee, but I can only make so much coffee. I'm one person. Right. So can I make enough coffee by myself to build a successful business? And if I can, what do I do when... I got to fly to Oregon for a funeral, you know, or what do I do when my kids got something that I want to attend, some recital or sporting event. And so the book is like, the concept is learning how to work on your business versus in your business in order to allow it to flourish in the event that you're not there 100%. Because even if I want to be there all the time, what if I get in a car wreck? Sure. And I'm laid up in the hospital for a month. What's going to happen to my business? And how do you build a business that can not only survive, but flourish? So that's a super important book. And then there's another really great book called Entre Leadership, um, which was written by Dave Ramsey. Most people know Dave Ramsey because yep. of his Financial Peace University. But he wrote a book called Entre Leadership that is basically a nuts and bolts of how he built his business. Um, and there are some really good concepts in there that are you're able to actually apply to your business. A lot of these business books, you get this high-level stuff, and it's kind of the, the way you think and being positive, and all that's important. But sometimes as a business owner, you're like, I need a book where I can actually get some meat and I can apply it directly to my business and see a result. Sure. Um, Entre Leadership has all that in there. Good deal. I'll put both those up in the show notes. John, okay, so. cool. And then and just real quick, can you speak about business coach or you know, how that's impacted you? I mean, going it alone is, is just going it alone, but involving someone like that. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge proponent of accountability groups, of mentorship programs, of 
um, surrounding yourself with people that will allow you to be better than you would be on your own and vice versa. So, um, essentially I'm of the view that the president, none of the presidents would be presidents without their cabinets. There's a reason they came up, came up with that concept. And I remember one time George Bush was asked kind of a derogatory question by a, a reporter about how did you become president if you're not that smart? And rather than getting offended, he just said, well, I'm actually really, really good at surrounding myself with people who are smarter than I am. And uh, I thought, that's just a great way to look at the world and, and a great way to build your, not only your business, but your life. Because way more than a business owner, I'm a husband and I'm a father and I'm a friend and I'm a brother and I'm a member of a church and a member of a community and a member of a school board. And all those things require coaching and mentorship. Um, but what I did early on in our other business, when that business was tiny, is I took a chunk of money and I hired a business coach, and he's now been coaching me for 10 years every week, one hour a week. Usually, now it's probably three or four hours a week, but that's just because he's generous. <laughs> but um, that's just a guy that has way more experience than I do in business, and Sometimes I'm so entrenched in the business that making a big decision becomes very difficult because I can't see it from the outside. Sure. And so I can say to him, Bill, here's what I'm thinking about doing, or here's who I'm thinking about hiring, or here's who I'm thinking about firing or changing or cutting, or here's a service I'm thinking about adding. And then he, he can tell me honestly, yes, no, here's why. Here's the good, here's the bad, here's the risk. Here's how you can overcome it, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and sometimes our meetings are just more fun, and we'll we'll end up talking sports sometimes. But I know that I always have his phone number to call, and if I am trying to make a decision, you'd be surprised how many decisions you have to make. That there's no clear right and wrong. You might have like five right choices, and you're trying to figure out what's the best today. Those are the hard ones to make. If the decision is clearly, here's the right thing to do and here's the wrong thing to do, it's easy. You just got to choose, am I going to do right or wrong? If the decision is, well, this one could be really good, but this one could be better, or this one could be better for that person, and this one could be better for this person, you know, then you're like, man, I don't know what to do. And that's when the business coach can come in and say, well, let's do the old pros and cons list. Let's... You know, let's look at it from all angles and then and then don't get stuck in analysis. Now it's time to make a decision. Right on. Kick you in the butt. Good deal. Well, John, so right here at Honu Coffee, what are some highlights since you've opened? I mean, you told us about the first two customers that just happened in. That's great. You know, you got to serve them. So what are some other things that have taken place that, that just stand out to you and say, that was, that was cool? Um... The, the number of regulars that has developed so early in the business is astounding to me. And to see a bunch of new regular customers that I had never knew, knew before is really, really exciting. When we opened, we thought, well, we got a lot of friends and family. We have a good network, and they'll come in and support. And they have. They've been very supportive. 
But when your friends and family and network live 11 miles away through town, they just can't feasibly come to your shop every day and be a regular. Yeah. So we knew that. And we knew we'd have to build a base of regular customers from the surrounding neighborhood. But the speed at which that has happened has really been something, something special. So, and I'll tell you that the reason that has happened is because of the coffee. There's no getting around how good the coffee is, and I don't take credit for that. But the fact that we have really good coffee is keeping people coming back. Well, I can vouch for that, for sure. <laughs> no, that, that is definitely there. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible coffee. I don't know when you want to jump into that topic. Right but, now. So what okay. what excites you about the craft of coffee? Take it away. Take us to your menu, however you want to approach this, this side of it. Okay. Um, well, let me first tell you that I am by no means an expert in the process of getting coffee from the ground to the cup. Um I am an expert in drinking coffee. <laughs> well, maybe not even that, because I'm not like a, a master cupper or anything. But um, I, I'll tell you how we got our coffee, and then I'll tell you why it's so dang good, yeah. and then why that makes our menu special. Um, we were at a little restaurant up in Lancaster, California, if you can believe that. There's a little restaurant on, on uh, Lancaster Boulevard called the Lemon Leaf Cafe. It's a great restaurant, and I've been going there for years, but always for lunch. So one day we went up for dinner for somebody's birthday. It's that good that okay. it's worth driving from Santa Clara to Lancaster to eat there. But we went up, and um, I, after dinner I was like, you know, I really want a cup of coffee and a piece of cheesecake. And I knew that I had their cheesecake because they make it there, and it's delicious, but I'd never had their coffee. And I got a cup of coffee, just regular brewed coffee, right, in a restaurant. Yeah. And I took a sip, and I was like, holy cow, this coffee is unbelievable. So I went up to the front, and I talked to the, the kid that was working, and I was like, where do you get this coffee? And fortunately for me, they had a bag sitting there that they were willing to sell me. So I, bu- I bought a bag, and I brought it home. I made it at home, and I was like, this is just as good. Uh. And um, it was a custom blend for the lemon leaf. And, but I looked up the name of the coffee, which was Key and Coffee. And um, read a little bit about Martin Diedrich, who owns the roastery and the business down there. And so then they're in Tustin. They have a retail shop in Tustin and one in Costa Mesa. So we drove to Tustin mm-hmm. to get some coffee and watch them roast right there. Um, and we were just like, man, this is such good coffee. Well, when we decided to open the coffee shop, I called and I said, hey, is there any way we can get our coffee from you guys? Um, And Martin was so gracious, called me back himself, drove down, spent the day with him, uh, spent the day at the roastery, even took us to his house, showed us the whole process. And it turns out Martin has a really cool story. Um, Diedrich's obviously a German name and his dad was from Germany pre-World War II and there was some unrest there and so he fled to Guatemala and started a little coffee farm in Guatemala and if I have this story not quite perfectly you can get clarification from Martin but I think it's I think it's pretty accurate so he grew up he was born and grew up the first part of his life on a Guatemalan coffee farm okay so Martin has lived coffee I mean this is what he does Mm -hmm. um 
And you can look up a company he built called Diedrich Brothers Coffee that did very well. Uh, and he was the CEO and then resigned from that post and decided he wanted to get back to roasting and making great coffee. Um, and so that's what he's doing with Keen Coffee. But what he's done over the years that most people will never be able to do is develop relationships with small farmers all through the coffee belt from Africa to Central and South America to Papua New Guinea to Hawaii. I mean, this guy has friends, literally friends, who are growing coffee all over the world. And they'll send him, and we got to watch this in action, they'll send him a small bag of beans um, to sample. So they'll roast a pound or two pounds of coffee, and then he and two of the guys that work with him in the roastery will cup it, and they... If you've ever seen a coffee company cupping, it's kind of like a wine, a sommelier tasting or something. But they're scoring it and write it, taking notes. And then when they're done, the three of them compare their notes. And if the coffee is good enough, they order it. And so you're seriously getting the best small farm coffee batches that you can get. Mm. And, and then these guys are master roasters and world-renowned. And we're just super, super lucky grateful and appreciative to have Key and Coffee as the beans that we serve in our in our store. And so if we do a halfway decent job, Martin will tell you there's three equally important steps to making great coffee in a retail store. You gotta have great coffee, and this is what he says is I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> then you gotta have a machine that's capable of making it, and then you gotta have a person who's capable of using the machine and making the coffee. If you have all three of those you'll be able to serve great coffee. Um, we like our machines, and we like our baristas, too. So they're doing a great job. And what happens is people are able to taste the difference even in a sugary white mocha that's okay. mostly milk and sugar. The beans, the coffee, the espresso shots that are going in the bottom of those are so good that the taste difference when they go back to a big chain... I mean, we've gotten dozens of people who have said, I can't go to the big chain anymore because the coffee doesn't taste good. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's not, a, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just when you have a chain of thousands of retail coffee stores, mathematically, you cannot get the best coffee in the world into every one of those stores because there's just not enough of that coffee in the world available, right. which means you're going to have to dip down and dip down. The bigger you get, the more coffee you have to order, the lower the grade has to be. It's just math. Yeah. Um, so we're lucky enough with one store to be able to get the best coffee out there served in our in our store. Good stuff. Yeah, that is the, the factor that, you know, there's so many people in the mix just getting it to the cup from the farms around the world to the roasters to the baristas. Yeah, it's incredible I if mean, you if you could, I'm sure somebody's made a documentary following a bean, you know, a cherry or the dirt to the, to the plant, to the cherry, to the bean, to the roaster. Um, that's incredible. Every, every coffee bean has its own little story. Yeah. Well, I know coffee is so uh, widespread, and and, um, and yet I think that a lot of people, and, and what I gather, I'm not alone on this, uh, that the general idea of coffee is just some, as, as my prior guest, Brett Bixler, 
said, you know, people think of it as a hot, bitter liquid that they're going to drown in some cream and sugar and, and just take it on the way to work or at the office. And yet here we are with, you know, with hands that prepare this in, in the field and bring it and then roasting it. So that, that's part of what we're doing here with the Coffee Man Show is to just inform coffee lovers of, of that process. And uh, I think it's great. You know, it's interesting that you said that they think of it as a bitter hot liquid that they have to drown. And one of the things when people think of coffee, what they think of is bitter. And they, a lot of people have a common misconception that darker coffee is better coffee. The darker the roast, the better the coffee. That's not to say that dark roasts can't be great, but one of the ways to try to overcome a substandard bean is to over-roast it, to get it to that dark roast. It allows you to get a consistent flavor over a whole bunch of different coffee beans. Mm. <coughs> but that's not... Really, really good beans don't have to be roasted like that. You can have really fantastic light roast coffee beans that just have huge flavor, super smooth. And so it's one of the things we're hoping to do here is to convince people that there's actually good coffee to be had and it doesn't have to be dark and bitter. Yeah. Um, the light, the nice light roast brewed correctly, man, you can get some good flavors out of that. Absolutely good flavors. And then our cold brew, I mean, that's new to me, but for me, it's kind of revolutionizing the way I look at, at coffee. Let's talk about cold brew for a minute because it is uh, something that's gaining popularity and some I've just recently, you know, in the past year, been able to experience myself. And uh, I love a cold brew in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, cold brew is interesting because I'm starting to think, and I know I haven't been doing this a long time, but I'm starting to think it might be the best way to make coffee. And the first time I ever had a cold brew toddy, uh, and we'll clarify the difference too, I'm talking about cold brew toddy. Um, The first time I ever had a toddy was in Monterey, California at a little independent coffee shop when I was in the military back in 1993. And I remember I would go down there every weekend and get a cold brew toddy, but I, I made it, had to make it into a hot drink because it, it was so good. Then I left there, never heard of toddy again until about, well, it was about eight years later when I moved back to Oregon after I get out, got out of the service. And there was a tiny independent coffee shop in the middle of farm country, a little drive through and they had toddy. And I was like, awesome. And I really liked it, and I would get that for all my drinks. And then I left there and never heard of it again. And then... Um, we decided when we went and Mart with met with Martin. He said, "You should try some cold brutati because you're in a hot climate. It, it might do well." And I was like, "Yeah, man, I haven't heard anybody say toddy in like ten years." Yeah. So we came up here and we put it on our menu. You can see it says ice drinks made with our cold brutati. Mm-hmm. When we first opened, everybody came in and said, "You know, you have a typo on your menu. This it should be today." not toddy t-o-d-d-y and i'd say no no toddy that's like a word <laughs> and uh basically what it is is you take coffee and you grind it and you put water in it and you leave it we leave ours for 14 to 18 hours and we extract that liquid out and you get a really concentrated coffee drink um there's a lot that goes into it Ours is a custom blend, a cold brew blend that's blended by Martin and his roasters. And then the grind has to be right. If you don't, if you try to make toddy at home and it doesn't taste right, 
chance the reason why is it was ground wrong. Okay. If it's ground too fine, you're going to get some really funky flavors, and then if it's ground too coarse, you're not going to get enough flavor. So the grind is super important. But then you extract this, it's never been hot. Um, and so there's almost no acidity in this. So you're getting a ton of flavor with none of that bitter coffee taste. And it's, it's really surprising people. Um, so that's what I drink every morning is I throw some, some cold brutati over ice and just either add some water or if I'm feeling, you know, like being a little generous with myself, I'll put some whole milk in there. But, um, man, it's so good. And then what we're seeing now is you can take that cold brutati and use it instead of espresso to make a, a milk-based drink. So if you want a flavored latte or a mocha, you can actually get it made with this cold brutati, and it's, it's outstanding. And then you don't have that acidity there either. Very little acidity. In fact, we have a few regulars now that come here because they have acid reflux disease mm. and they're unable to drink coffee without really having some side effects from that, but they can drink our cold brutati. So they have found they can come in and get a cup of hot coffee because we'll just put cold brutati in the cup and then add hot water. Okay. And um, it's essentially a cold brew Americano, I guess. Yeah. But um, but really, it's it's just a cup of hot coffee and there's they don't get any acid reflux. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's, it's, it's a fantastic product. It's a really, really good product. And, All right. Um, well, let people know where you're at, you know, here in Newhall. You know, people are passing through, you know, going to Magic Mountain. I mean, whatever, you know, they could come on down here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're from the area, we're in the Egg Plantation parking lot. Okay. Everybody knows that because Egg Plantation's been there like 30 years or something. And uh, they're, they're a great company, man. We love Simon and Shannon, and they're kind of idols for us in this industry. But if you know where the egg plantation is, we're in that parking lot. But we're in one of the buildings that faces Lyons Avenue. Um, if you're coming from out of the area, the easiest way to get here is on I-5. You're just going to exit Lyons Avenue, head east, and we're a couple miles down on the right when you get to the yellow Victorian buildings. So pretty easy to find. What else is on your mind, John? Anything oh, else man. you want to share while we have the mic going? I don't know. I did quite a bit of talking there. That's good stuff. I tell you what, I'm excited about getting this published, and uh, we'll get it shared. And uh, thanks so much for your time. Oh, man. Ed, thanks for your time. Appreciate you coming out and doing this. This is very fun, very fun for me to do, and I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity. Glad to do it. We'll have to uh, get down. I've got Martin Dietrich on my radar. I haven't talked to nice. him yet, but yeah, he's he been mentioned before, and uh, what a history in the industry. So Yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend. I will say we've got we're going to be heading to Costa Mesa. I've got a few people that have uh, agreed and that want to interview and, and talk their stuff on on the Coffee Man show. So people are catching on, and really, I think we provide something that's that's just not being done. That, that is a conversation, and I'm, I'm having to educate people on podcasts. I mean, do you listen to podcasts, John? I'm going to yeah, put you on the I spot do occasionally. Here. Yeah, uh, mostly fantasy football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? I, I get like those? podcasts on my phone. You have an iPhone. Um, yeah, I have an iPhone, so I usually just stream them. Yeah. Um, I don't download a lot of them, although I have downloaded a couple. 
But I like them because I can listen to them on demand yeah. versus trying to catch a live show. Oh, sure. So do you have the podcast app? Is that how you subscribe? I actually, I think I just went through the ESPN app. Okay. And then they allow me to stream podcasts through there. Um, there's another one, though. I think I did. I think I downloaded specific apps to listen to specific podcasts. Okay. So I don't know. Is there a, an app you can download that will get you access to a lot of different podcasts? Yeah. The, and it's just called podcasts. It's free if you have the iPhone. You just download it and you go do the search, and it'll search right into the iTunes directory. Okay. The Coffee Man Show is now in there. Coffee Man Show. Got and it. It'll subscribe you, so you have one app to bring in all your favorite. Podcast. As long as they're in one. iTunes? Yes. Okay. And if you have an Android, you can do Stitcher. That's the free app. Okay. I, I prefer the podcast app in my iPhone. But, um, okay. Right cool. on. Yeah. Well, that was a little we'll tangent for us. But, John, have a great day and uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Ed. There you have it, folks. Another story behind a specialty coffee shop. I love finding these stories of how people got to their grand opening. The story of Honu Coffee is one that I hope inspires you. So if you're in Santa Clarita, head on down Lions Avenue to Honu Coffee. Until next time, this is Ed Barnett. Have a great day.